0: Welcome back, badasses. Welcome to this week's episode of Building Badassery. We are diving into politics and social capital and influence. Oh my, part. Two, Yes, that's right. Last week we held part one. I dove into some themes and I defined some terms for you. I even added some of my favorite reads. But this week I want to dive into personal scenarios that I've gone through, failures and successes, and I'm going to really help you navigate what to do when the shit goes wrong. So sit back, relax, and here we go. And we're back. So I got a number of messages and feedback from our listeners regarding, Yanni, this is all great and stuff, all these terms that you're defining, but here's the thing. I don't know what the fuck to do when I'm building politics and, and influence and how the hell to navigate this shit, just like that. And and I get you. I hear you. And I want to be able to dive into a couple of scenario building here on this show today and really how to navigate this realm because guess what here now even especially during this pandemic you should be building social capital doesn't matter that we are going through a pandemic and everybody is at home there needs to be a way for you to be able to check in cultivate those meaningful relationships and making sure that you are moving the needle with the decision makers in your life to either secure the bag and get more business or secure what will be your next move in your corporate role and your corporate job for the next level of a promotion that you need. It starts now. It's not like you're waiting. If you're waiting For this shit to be over for the pandemic, you're behind the eight ball. let allow this to be your sign. Allow me to be your sign this week and understand that you need to formulate a plan on how this works. So it's episode four. And by now, I think you've gotten a little bit of a taste of who I am and a little bit about my personality. I'm excited because I'm gonna use real world examples today to show you how I've put these things into practice and to share with you, dissect some of my own life lessons and sprinkle in some of the knowledge that I've been able to attain as a result. As it relates here to social capital building and navigating the political arena. One of the things that I am known for day in and day out is holding people accountable really straight shooting and bottom line for people at any given time of the day, week, month, you name it. I'm on an accountability group and our team meets every Tuesday at 7.30 AM and come hill or high water, each of us are out there to report on what it is that we are doing, what are our goals, and each of us holds one another accountable. And I'll tell you that having groups like this surrounding yourself with people who lift you up, really lift you up, is so critically important. I remember talking about people who lift you up. I remember while I was in my MBA, my MBA was in this cohort format. And I remember having a team member and he was sharing with us how, you know, in his community growing up. It was like crabs in a bucket. And if you don't know what that term means, because at that time I was like, what do you mean like crabs in a bucket? If you've ever seen crabs in a bucket, crabs basically pull one another down. Anytime a crab is trying to get out of the bucket, it's almost like each of the crabs is pulling them down, which is an incredible analogy in its own But I want you to take a look at, and and the reason why I'm bringing that up right now is because I want you to take inventory and take with a very, you know, very insightful eye. I want you to take a step back and ask yourself, do I have people like that in my life right now who are holding me back, holding me down, who don't want me to move forward? And how can you pivot that? You know, how can you Change that circumstance. They say that you are the top five people in your life, as in your personality is the top five people in your life. And I'll share with you are those people really meant to be there? I say this because your arsenal, your little board of people, your board of directors is so important in your success in whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish whether it's the accountability group that I mentioned you know starting one for yourself or it's really building out a board of directors that are going to support you they are important to holding you accountable for your goals holding you and making sure that you're doing exactly what you say i'm happy to week to week provide that accountability to you and challenge you to do something scary week to week, including this social capital building. All right, so it's story time, people. I am fucking Mother Goose today, and I am going to share with you three stories on owning in Your social capital building and bringing home this idea that you need to play in these realms. Not all of the stories I'm sharing today are going to be success stories, some of them are going to be failures. I'm also just, you know, mindful, I'm going to change names of the people who are involved to, you know, protect their identities. Um, So we're going to go into three different scenarios and three different stories. So the first story, and I'm going to share with you, outline for you um, the three stories. So the first story is going to talk about how to build and really cultivating effective relationships. And it was an actual failure story and how I could have better cultivated relationships. This was the scenario of having two, um, two people being up for a promotion. And, um, I I got it. And then what ended up happening was that my job ended up being a hundred times worse during that period because I didn't cultivate the right players around me. So I'm going to talk to you about that and relationship cultivation. I'm going to also talk to you about really dealing with egotistical bosses And and supervisors and really not knowing who I was dealing with, which was one of the principles I shared last week from the 48 laws of power, making sure that you know who you're dealing with and and how as a sales professional, as a business development person, my target, my sales target moved so much for week to week. It didn't matter if I accomplished it or not. It kept moving. And I didn't really realize how. How boundary setting at this point and having really straight up conversations would really be in my favor. And then lastly, the last conversation that and story is one of my favorite stories is how to befriend those individuals who have influence, more importantly, who have the ear to the boss, who have the ear to the decision maker. So that they can amplify your ideas as you are amplifying your ideas. So we're going to talk about those three topics, those three stories. So settle in. So can you remember for a second what your first job was? I, myself, I, you know, my first job, if I was going to be real, my first job was helping my mom, file papers, which by the way, was a daunting task. I hated doing that shit. I remember her bringing me in one summer and I had to fact file stacks and stacks of paper. It felt like towers of paper, like city scrapes of paper, sc- city skylines, excuse me, of paper. I, I remember one time was filing that. I, I just basically I gave up and I started crying because I was just like, oh my God, I'm never going to finish this shit. So that was my first, you know, job per se. But my first actual paid job was, um, as a 16 year old was a summer camp counselor. And man, I've had such great memories of, being a camp counselor, and I have also thought, man, I will never send my kids to camp um, knowing some of the horror stories that 16 and 17-year-olds are running around um, and bossing you know, these kids around. No, no offense, I, I do think that a lot of us were great, but we're 16 and 17 years old, let's be real. And so anyway, so I, I spent about four years or so being a summer camp counselor. And I was 16. I actually volunteered when I was 15 years old. And um, and um, I loved being able to day in, day out, we would get there anywhere between 8.30 a.m. and leave around six o'clock, 6.30. And we were outside all day, which by the way, in this day and age, I know even in the pandemic, you can't even think about that right now. But in this day and age, it just doesn't happen. So at that time, what we had to do as counselors is week to week, you had to submit almost a schedule of what you were going to do with the kids every single day. So my schedule, and then obviously field trips and whatever it is, which usually fell on Fridays. So my schedule consisted of, you know, a combination of indoor-outdoor play because you just didn't also want to bombard the kids with, with just outside sun and direct heat. You needed to combine it with some AC and then you just had those days. I mean, we're in Miami, Florida, where the summers in Miami are all about raining, right? So they just rain. So we had some portables from the local elementary school that we had two portables that we went into when it got rainy and we did like indoor rainy day activities like puzzles and four corners and all those fun games. So I had to submit a weekly schedule for these girls and what we were going to do. And my schedule consisted of so many different things like capture the flag in the morning and there was like soccer and then kickball and then we would have, you know, afternoon times I usually like to plan if I remember um some some like arts and craft activities. So I got, one of the things I'm really known for is innovating. I love creating new things, new programs, new events. That is something that has been inherent in me for years, years and years and years. This is something that, in fact, I remember applying to my first board, in high school. And what I applied for was activities director, which was you know basically the one that coordinates events and coordinates activities. So as a counselor, I brought my A game. I really, I really loved innovating with the girls and I saw which, what were their likes or dislikes? I recently, I remember recalling with with one of my fellow recreational leaders who actually was the one that brought me into the summer camp to begin with. And I remember texting just with him and, and saying, man, I really miss my spa days. And my spa days were this concept where imagine just a whole afternoon closing down uh, an activity building and having almost like 80, hundred kids and having different little stations, one where you did your nails, another one where they were waiting. Then they had magazines. We had people who were serving the girls with Hawaiian, um, uh, Hawaiian. Uh, it was a Hawaiian punch with umbrellas. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful event with spa music and dip strawberries. It. I. I really loved to create these things, and it was because my girls at that time were really girly and they loved you know, pampering. I wanted them to experience what a pampering was like. Anyway. So lo and behold, I, after years and summers like this, of innovation of doing different events, battle the sexes, we did a ton of things. I was, you know, they were looking for a recreational leader. And what that is, is basically instead of overseeing one group, like I had my own junior teen girls, you were overseeing, you know, a subset of the group, right? In that particular case, it was the younger kids. So, you know, the five-year-olds to the nine-year-olds basically is what you would oversee and both boys and girls. And then you would program around their needs. You'd be in charge of the field trips and stuff. Essentially, it was a promotion. That's what it was. So I'm you know 17, 18 years old at this point and it was a couple years of me innovating and they you know the leadership saw something in me and and you know wanted to bring me in for this. Um, I interviewed for the process and lo and behold, I had a fellow counselor who actually was a year-round employee and what that meant was that this person always worked for the parks so worked for the parks year round and parks usually, here in Miami-Dade County, I'm not sure about right now, but that time would hold after-school care, would hold spring camps, winter camps, that sort of thing. So they were a year-round staff member, whereas I was just seasonal. I was only in the summer. So they were going for the promotion as well. And um, I didn't really know about this until later on, which was my bad. I should have probably just researched, like, who's going for this and who's up for this. But what ended up happening was that I ended up getting the position. And of course, one of the things as a leader that I like to do is that I had a ton of ideas and I wanted to innovate and do things uh, different ways and what have you. And the camp was divided. You had people who were in favor that I got the position and the people who were really disgruntled that the other person didn't get the position. And so one of the things that were my learning lessons because I wanted to implement things super fast. I wanted to just hit the ground running. What are the great ideas that I have here? These are all the things I want to do. This is what this is the new plan that I want you to implement. And what I didn't do, which is, you know, again, hindsight 2020 was I didn't get the buy in from the rest of the counselors. So what was happening was that I ended up wanting to make all these plans and nobody was on board with them. Um, I almost like to even say sometimes it was almost like self-sabotaging. There was a lot of shit talking behind my back. A lot of people didn't realize why the decision was made. Um, Very much disgruntled employees. Mind you, you gotta you gotta put things in perspective. We're talking about 16 to like 24-year-olds at this point. That's that's the age demographic. So, not a lot of experience overall, but this is an experience that for me was so formative to be able to own in on my leadership skills. So if I were to take a step back in this scenario, one of the things that I would have done differently was one, I would have asked the question, you know, who else is in contention for this position? Because I would want to know who else was in contention. And if it's anybody I knew, you know, try to do the investigative work. Um, And the reason why is because I wanted to have that conversation with that other person and say, hey, you know, we're both going in for this. What are your ideas? What are my ideas? Can we implement these together You know, if I would have known earlier on that this person was um, going for it, maybe I would have approached her differently. You know, maybe I would have um, approached her after I got it and and tried to innovate with her. The other thing that I should have been able to do, and this is something for you to understand as you're rising up, is who are the players involved? I mentioned that last week. And one of the things in this particular case where there was a divided camp. There were people for her and people for me. So one of the things I would have done in that particular case is that I would have gone one by one talking to each person, each counselor. What do you want to see differently? How do you want field trips to be different? What do you think is the best thing for the kids? Like I would have gone maybe in a way lobbying, but at the very least, just getting a perspective of where they stood so that when I started to disseminate my ideas and what I was doing, It wasn't like this, you're kind of like steamrolling through. And I think so many leaders that come into leadership positions, I've seen it time and time again. I myself, who has been part of higher education for the majority of my career, have seen leadership come and go, deans and colleges come and go. And one of the things that is detrimental in leadership is coming in and steamrolling through your ideas and trying to implement every single thing, you know, and trying to boil the ocean. You know, that's that's a term that's used when you're trying to do too much. And I have to say that for me, in this particular case scenario, you know, it's really understanding who are the players involved. Who are the circles of influences involved in this particular case? Taking a step back and saying, "All right, I want these people to be happy because I'm going to be leading them, and they need to be able to follow me, right? And if they don't follow me, maybe they don't they don't like me or what have you. Then at the very least, earn the respect." right? And be able to come to them with peace. And and also for them to be able to have faith in your ability to execute things. You need to be more inclusive at the beginning versus just kind of coming in with your ideas, implementing and not getting feedback. So moving into a story about how setting the expectation at any given time is so meaningful. I truly believe foundationally that you're always selling. You're always selling an idea. You're always selling or being sold to. I mean, the scenario that I mentioned before on the summer camp piece and getting everybody on board, garnering support, that is selling. And one of the things that you have to do when you're starting a new role, a new position, when you're onboarding a new client is setting the expectation. So this scenario and this story that I'm about to share happened when I was a brand newly, like a brand new newly minted sales professional, business developer, and I was jumping into a field that I had no idea anything about. I didn't know anything about technology and tech um, as it related to selling software and certainly didn't know anything about the real estate and property management industry. And so I was brought in, you know, the background of the story is that I was brought into this company, a small business startup with a glowing review from a, an investor in a, in the company. So that's how I was brought in to So You know, it's interesting because in this particular scenario, I'm going to stop each time um, to explain what could have happened and what happened. So, in this particular scenario, what I should have done was understand the players that are involved and the stake that I held. And so, one of the things is when you are brought in, like understanding where you stand at any given time. So, being brought in on the recommendation of already a financial investor in the company holds a certain amount of weight and you have to start thinking about the reason of like first of all what the owner would feel right even the tactical empathy here as i mentioned the last episode like put yourself in that owner's position it's hard to refuse an investor that has already invested money in your company to grow with a suggestion right on bringing in somebody that they think would be good for the company. So not to say that they wouldn't be able to say no, but it's just, it's a, it's a hard position to be in, right. To refuse the investor, a partner in the company. So with that said, I know that me coming in might've ruffled a couple of feathers. And if I would have gotten in and, set that expectation and use that tactical empathy to my advantage and said, you know, I know I'm coming in on X person's recommendation and you can, and you might think here's this girl coming in, not knowing what she's doing, or here's this girl just trying to float on the, you know, coattails of, of the investor, you know, starting off with that empathy and bringing to light, maybe some of their perceived difficulties or perceived um, negative assumptions could have leveled the playing field. So I say this because in coming on board, it was a little awkward, right? Because I was this person that came in on that recommendation. And, you know, I spent the first couple of months learning a ton about the business, you know, really, really, um, training alongside the investor because he was an incredible sales professional and up until he he would proofread my my he was a stickler for for grammar so he would proofread my proposals and that sort of thing so i all this to say that um as we moved into the working relationship and i was making 6 months there there was a huge moving target with the owner and the investor on what the goals should be And, you know, the investor left for vacation. So he wasn't in the office often. So I was left with the owner. And at that point, every week my sales target moved. So once I hit the target, the target, you know, increased and moved back. And like any small business owner, they were very much involved in every single decision making process through the business, right? It's very hard a lot of times for startup business owners uh, to let go right? Because it's their baby. They funded and they started and they founded the, the company and it's hard to let go. So in that particular case, setting the expectations and having built a better relationship with the owner would have probably served in my favor to really level with them on, why you know the, the the target has been moved several times, you know why don't we talk about an overall goal? This is what's happening with um, the prospects that we have in the pipeline. This is what I'm hearing. You know, having the really candid conversations would have helped in that process. And you know, to me, you always have to t- take a step back, look at the scenario that you're being placed in, see where you know, the power lies. like for me on my side, I had this, I had this situation where I was been, I was brought in by a person, you know, that investor that I mentioned, and I had to make sure that he looked good, right? I, I needed to make sure that I didn't taint his reputation because he was, you know, bringing me in, on that recommendation. So I was, you know, I was highly recommended by him. So, you know, having, if I would have had the conversation with both individuals, uh, separately and together of what the goals were moving forward, then I would have had a better opportunity in understanding the business and really all of us succeeding together versus trying to appease one person over the other. In this particular case, I only appeased, you know, I appeased the investor because that was the priority. But I, you know, I I could have done a better job appeasing the owner and meeting his needs and what the expectations of what he wanted me to do and moving forward and being successful and hitting those goals. So thus far I've walked you through two scenarios in using some of the teachings from last week. So one being the summer camp example, and how it's so important to build influence. And how do you build influence and getting everybody on board with the idea? How do you make people feel that you're including them in the process and being collaborative, even if that means you, you know, getting a promotion over somebody else? How do you, you know, almost like subside? the effects of the ripple effects of that being a negative thing. And using, you know, the second scenario was using tactical empathy. How do you navigate and understand at any given situation when you're brought in, what are the common misconceptions? What are the perceived assumptions of you, you know, negative or positive, right? There are assumptions when you come into a scenario. Not everyone is just open arms, right? So addressing those scenarios and those assumptions so that those guards come down from other people. Okay. And lastly, it's setting the expectations, right? We walk into so many different scenarios. I can't begin to tell you how many meetings, just, just right before recording this segment, I was in a meeting and, you know, it's like you get on the meeting and you have a perceived perception of what it's like. And then it completely goes a different other way. And you spend, you know. Well, it was supposed to be half an hour, and now becomes an hour because nobody set the expectation of what the hell we were going to learn or what were the outcomes of that meeting. So, to me, when you know that last example that I mentioned as being a d- business developer, if I would have set those expectations and those goals with both the investor and the owner of the company, the success that I would have had in the position would be far greater. We would have had much clearer communication. One of the common themes here as we're going through this, that you might hear as a recurring theme is having super clear communication and setting those expectations and almost pulse checking along the way. Like, you know, I'm feeling using words like and phrases, I'm feeling that you're uncomfortable with the situation, or I'm sensing then that, that this might be something this might be frustrating. I'm sensing frustration or tension so that you can take a pulse. It doesn't always have to be negative in the, in the examples that I'm providing, but you can take a pulse of what's actually happening. So, this last story is one of my favorites and it's about building influence, but it's also about how to amplify your message and how to make sure that the message that you're amplifying gets up to the decision makers. So, you know, early on in my career, I've worked in higher ed, I've mentioned that for um, the majority of my career, and it's been in the fundraising capacity, but also in the programming capacity of alumni and student relations. And so when it comes down to this, um, I was earlier on in my career and I was handling student relations at the College of Business, at FIU. And, you know, in this particular case, we had a pretty big team. And a lot of times it was pretty hard to reach the the leader of the team and pitch just the ideas that were part of what was going on. Um, Development officers, for the most part, are a pretty remote role. So a lot of times people are on the road. So it was kind of hard to get FaceTime. But one of the things that I noticed in our team were individuals who did have the ear of the boss, right? You know, their direct reports, um, people who the boss found favorable. Um, and I knew that, you know, befriending these individuals and specifically having some face time with them would potentially do me a favor in amplifying some of the ideas that I had moving forward. So I want to take a step back and pause for a second because I'm not talking here about being an authentic. I'm speaking here specifically in building allies, building supporters within your organization or within the organization that you're trying to get into, who are going to be your champions, your ambassadors, the ones that are going to spread the gospel, spread the message, So in this particular scenario, I and find some common ground. So you you don't have to feel inauthentic. That's not what I'm trying to tell you to do. But in this particular scenario, I had a great relationship with one of the operations individuals there. And they, um, they themselves loved the type of things that I was that that I was doing with the student relations. So I made sure that I would loop them into the process. So if we were interviewing student leaders, if they had some time and they um, they could join in, that they would join into the process. if um if I wanted to run a quick idea by them, I would, run by their office and say, "Hey, do you have a quick second? I want to run a quick idea by them." I I did this often, one because I trusted the person and I wanted them to trust me, but two because I knew that that was something also that they enjoyed. It might have not been something as part of their working role, but it was something that they enjoyed. What ended up happening in that scenario is that a lot of the ideas that I needed a champion for. I needed this idea to really amplify into the ear of the decision maker because I needed a bigger budget, that sort of thing. this person was my advocate. So a lot of times when they would have one-on-one meetings or when they would um, meet with leadership, they would bring up the scenarios that they have been involved in. As a result, then I would you know come and explain the the scenario or what I needed for the project, the budget, what have you and likely it would get approved because you know it was multiple people amplifying the message together, right? It was not only me just going to the boss and saying, I have this great idea. It was other colleagues that I've involved. And as you can see, a common theme here is being collaborative. So it's it's communicating very clearly and effectively, but being collaborative in the process. How can you build a team? How can you um, have champions amplify your message, but be part of that message too? Like they're the ones that really believe in you as well. So that's how you begin to build influence and really make a difference to make sure that your message is being heard and more people, not just you are spreading it, but you're building a, you're almost building like your ambassadors to share and spread the message that you want. And that's a wrap wow, we went through lots of great content here, badasses, but I want to recap it for you for a second. So we were able to talk about how to navigate and understand any arena that you come into and who are the players involved, understanding what their specific roles are, how do you stand with each one of them and how to get them on your side. And it's not only just getting on them on your side, but at the very least, how to have them respect you, right? And bringing them in, being an inclusive leader and how to bring them into ideas that you have. The second thing we talked about is understanding when you are in that leadership capacity and you're being brought in, understanding how to use tactical empathy to relate to the perceived assumptions that are coming in when you come into a a place, a new place and how you can um, play on to those perceived assumptions and build a relationship with the people involved. Also setting the expectation for what is needed of you and how to accomplish each deliverable. And lastly, we talked about how to build champions within any organization organizations that you want to be part of, organizations that you're currently in and you want a promotion in, how to build ambassadors in that organization so that they can spread your message, amplify what you're trying to do, and lastly, just get have you get booked or have you get promoted. So it was such a delight to talk to you all today and just share how to continue to build on this topic of social capital building and navigating the political arena. This is a topic that is not the last time you're gonna hear from me about. Um, This is a topic that we're going to continuously build on. We're gonna strengthen those muscles in how to build this because it's such a great strength and skill to have. So next week, we're going to dive into negotiation. I have been talking to you week after week. It's been sprinkled in about how to build and and cultivate meaningful relationships. Well, next week, we're going to dive into how to discover how people are and how to cultivate them. And finally, how to negotiate your way into whatever it is that you want. Stay tuned. I am your host, the win woman, Yanni. And this has been Building Badassery.